Thank goodness for our team members that we have everything together. <laughs> and what the people are bringing us as far as uh, our folks, uh, the different positions they're uh, filling for this to happen is uh, amazing, actually, right? And uh, so I'm so thankful. You guys are doing a great job. And if you're not, if you're part of the team not on today and you're at home and you're watching this, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, before we begin, just a quick story, and there's a reason why. When I was learning scuba diving, eventually we were able to go down to Mexico and do a, a dive in the ocean there. And I was really looking forward to that. And the day we did that, it was stormy as ever. Dark clouds, it was windy. It was like not what I had expected. And um, we went out in the boat. I'm surprised they, they still went out. We went out in the boat and just like it was rocking and rolling. And not in a good way either. And, uh, and thank goodness I was told, take gravel before you go out. And I did. I was so glad I did. And uh, then we, we rolled off into the water, and I hadn't experienced waves that size, like when you're bobbing up and down, waiting for everybody to gather and then go down. Um, <laughs> you couldn't see anybody because the waves were so high, and you felt so small. Anyway, fear. Like, it was my first time, and it was like, I'm not a swimmer. No, you know, when you're scuba diving, you don't have to be able to swim. But, um, well, because you have a vest. Have lots of air, so you float. Um, when the dive master said we're going down, uh, it was like I didn't have a choice, and I was concerned. I didn't know what I was going to find down, you know, as we went down in this type of storm. And uh, as we went down, we got about ten, fifteen feet, and literally everything was as still as anything, and it was absolutely amazing. It was just like it was like the thought was. Oh my gosh, I've never experienced anything like this. It looked so beautiful. And it was like, oh, if only they had told me what it was going to be like. I wouldn't have been so scared. Right? And it was just great. And the dive, we had a fantastic dive. It was a great experience for me. All that to say this. We sang here this morning, I'll raise a hallelujah. And, you know, and, and we sang the words in the midst of the storm. Let me tell you this. If you're not taking time, like if you're not having that day-in-day-out relationship, that deepness with Jesus where you're going deep with Him, where you're spending time with Him, in these times we're in, and all you're reading in the news and all you're hearing about are the numbers and everything that's going on, it's going to be like floating on the top, and you're going to, it's going to bring fear. That's not going to change, okay? It's not going to go away. You can sing all you want, but if you're not going down, if you're not spending that time, that quiet time with Jesus, fear's going to rock you, man. And if you haven't taken your gravel, you're going to barf. So that's just a fact, okay? That's just a fact. But all that to say, that taught me so much not to get so overwhelmed by what I'm seeing, rather to go deep, go deep. I think that was the problem with the disciples when they were in the boat and Jesus was sleeping and they got their shorts in a knot. They were looking at the storm. Get, get your eyes off that. You got, you got to have your time with Jesus because he, Jesus is that calmness. Jesus is that place. People who go there, that's why their stories are, oh, I've 
someone had to- only told me it's so beautiful, right? right? So anyway, all that has nothing to do with what we're going to look at today, but I'm, I'm serious about that. So, okay, so we're going to wrap up this series, and it's sort of wrapping up, it's sort of a launching as well, and you'll, you'll understand what I mean. So with that in mind, here's another story. So back in 1977, I know many of you can't go back there, but that's okay. <clears throat> and I've graduated high school in the June. In September, I started my career with policing, with the Toronto Police Service. And I had all these rosy high expectations of what that was going to be like. That Like I'm beginning my career and with the biggest police force in the country. And it was, you know, blah, blah, all these you know, head in the clouds. Day one, day one, there we are. There's 25 or 30 of us 18-year-olds sitting in a classroom at the headquarters, and the sergeant says these words to us, these words, because I'll never forget them, said, just so you guys know, we didn't hire, we didn't, we're not hiring you to think. You were hired to do as you're told. (laughs) It was like, all those thoughts I had, poof, just gone vanish. Right? They're just like, welcome to reality, right? And I have found that, though, I have this tendency to have these unrealistic expectations whenever I embark on a new journey, right? Whenever I do something, you know, I have, oh, this is what it's going to be like. Or if we're moving to a new place, oh, it's going to be so great if we do that. Or if I, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I have these expectations of what it's going to be like. And the fact of the matter is, life isn't like that. It's not Disney. <laughs> I know we enjoy watching Disney movies. That, that's not life, right? They're, you're not going to ride off into the sunset and life is going to be beautiful because we know better. We've experienced life. The early church, <laughs> so we're going to segue from that right into the early church. The early church we read about in Acts, um, no doubt had hopes on how things were going to look. And probably, you know, imaginations or whatever how things would possibly look now that they had the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they imparted these, those four practices um, committed to. Acts 2.42, they determined that they were going to commit to these four, what I, I call them principles, you call them practices, doesn't matter. But these four things they locked into, and it was the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. And for, this for them was, was huge. This was, as far as they were concerned, was the Jesus way. And you saw it in their lives, these, these four expressions, saw these principles come out in that, in their lives. And it actually started to change how they perceived one another, how they perceived the world, and how they even perceived God. It, it changed things. And that was chapter two. <laughs> and then you hit chapter five, not even, you know, there's 27 chapters in Acts. Hit chapter five, and it's like the wheels start to fall off the... <laughs> the wagon or the cart, whatever you want to call it. And you got to ask, you know, what has gone wrong with you guys? Like, what's what's happened? And what they probably didn't realize or anticipate was the reality that they were in the throes of what is known as, they wouldn't have this, but a paradigm shift. A paradigm is just the way we, we naturally think and behave. And a paradigm shift is a dramatic shift in how we think and behave. And really what Jesus had 
taught them all along was that. It was a paradigm shift. Sort of like being born into a world that flies upside down, right? All the time. And that's all you know, because you're born into it. You don't know any different. And then Jesus comes along, and Jesus is flying the other way. And Jesus comes and invites us, come fly with me. Come fly with me. And we do. And we discover it's really different. It's really cool. And we like it. But what we haven't grasped is that it is when you start to get down into the nitty-gritty of what Jesus is calling us to, it's a paradigm shift, change in the way we think and the way we behave. And it is definitely significant, not like anything we've experienced before. And then it becomes, there's times you start to realize this is really unsettling. This is really rocking my boat a bit, Jesus, what you're asking of us. It's, it's, it's challenging at times. And we fall into the temptation of wanting to go back to where it's comfortable, go back to where, what we know, to do what everybody else is doing, to think their way. We want, we want to go back there. And Jesus is, is calling us, no, fly right side up, fly right side up. Now, I'm pretty sure that the original disciples and followers of Jesus, because what did they say? There's like 100, was there, I'm not making this up, 120 people, roughly? Because they they do that, they counted. (laughs) So counting in the church started a long time ago. But they counted, there's about 120 of them, of the original followers, right? And they had upwards of what, three years with Jesus, And they knew the challenge that the new believers were going to have as they came on board. It wasn't going to be all that easy. Because you think about it, those those originals, if we want to call them originals, they had um, three years, three years of doing life together, three years of being under Jesus' teaching, three years of really uh, living life, uh, sharing meals, praying together, probably fighting as well because you hang out with the same group long enough and eventually you're going to have a few arguments. And what you see is what they experienced with Jesus is the very thing what they committed to in the early church. It was the same thing that we hang out together, that we do life together, that these things are critical because they knew what they were going to be facing. And the thing is, doing life the Jesus way doesn't come natural. Because it is a challenge, because it is a call of flying right side up. But over time, with the disciples, things did begin to change when they were with Jesus. Things did begin to change. How they saw each other, how they saw Jesus, how they saw the world, their perspectives. Things began to shift. But it took time. It took lots of time. They had to observe. They had to practice the trial and error. It was probably arguing. There's probably arguments with Jesus, you know, probably. You know, what? This doesn't make sense. If you look through the Gospels, there's a lot of things Jesus says that don't, doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And we, we, we balk at that, right? We No, no. But what we have to remember is 
if you're a follower of Jesus, we call ourselves Christians, right? And a Christian means you're a little Christ or a little Jesus. We're little Jesuses, right? That's what we are. That's what we're supposed to be. We're, that's what the world's supposed to, 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 to see in us, little Jesuses. And it demands that we learn to fly right side up. And it's not just agreeing with what Jesus says, saying, yes, amen, yes, yes. I'm going to fly. He's still upside down now. Because <laughs> right? that's just too uncomfortable. And, I, and I've done it myself where I go, well, that might have been good then. But we don't do that now. <laughs> right? And... Not necessarily so, not necessarily so. And uh, what, it's, what it is, it is agreeing with Jesus, what Jesus is saying, but it's putting those things into practice. And that's the hard thing, right? Because you can't take the whole thing all at once and, and, and all the, everything Jesus teaches and go, well, well, we'll start tomorrow, we'll do this. You take one thing and you got to work that into your life. Or you let life come and hit you, sideswipe you, and you ask Jesus, how do I respond here in this situation? And you hear Jesus saying, you know, maybe, you know forgive. Oh, well, I can't do that. I've got to work on that. Gosh, how do I do that? <laughs> Why would I do that, right? And we learn, but we have to learn. It takes time. And it's challenging at times. But that's why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit helps us. Because if we have to do it on our own, we probably won't do it. We'll fly upside down. It's much more comfortable. The whole world's flying that way. So why would we do differently? Right? But Jesus does, does call us to that. Now, the four principles that were in Acts 2.42, those four things are meant to be lived out simultaneously, together. If you, if you look at the Gospels, you see the disciples living those out together. It wasn't do, let's do one. We finished, they weren't courses. Let's do the apostle teaching course. <laughs> We're done, good. Now we can go on to the common meal and eat. No, it wasn't that. It was doing this together. Um, and I call that living holistically, which everything comes together. And the word that's used for that is the word synergy. Synergy, and if you apply it to these four pr principles or four practices, it is individual practices when lived out together produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual practices. So go ahead and read that. Think, think that one through. What it's saying is that, put, let's put it this way. We all have different gifts, right? We all have different gifts. If we wanted to go and do something that was beyond anything we think we could do, when we all come together and we all bring our our gift or our stuff, huge things happen with people, right? But individually, it's really hard for it to happen. What, what Synergy says is that coming together, I'm actually better. My gift somehow gets enhanced. That's why I'm convinced. Are we all supposed to be evangelists? No. Are we all supposed to be teachers and pastors or prophets? No. 
But when we come together, that happens. And we bring what God has gifted us for to do. That happens. Synergy takes place. But we make it much harder on ourselves in a number of ways. When we do it alone, doesn't work. Doesn't work. I'm convinced now, I've, you know, it's taken me a while, but I'm convinced, and, I, and I've heard folks say, and I, I understand, like I get it, but I'm convinced as I lean into Jesus that this thing of, well, no, I don't need, I don't need the gathering of whatever that looks like. I don't need that because I, I, I can worship God in my car on the way to work. And I'm convinced now, no, you know what? Probably you can't. Or you're probably going to be the guy that, or gal that gets pulled over because you're worshiping and not paying attention to driving. But no, you're probably not. You're probably not. Or I worship when I gather with my buddies at the Tim Hortons. No, probably not. Like It can happen like that, but we can't do it alone. We also make it harder on ourselves when we choose one of these practices at the expense of the others, with the exception of the others. We just focus on one, be it whatever. That doesn't work. Flying right side up calls us. We have to. If we're going to learn the Jesus way, it takes all of us together. We have to. We have to. It doesn't work any other way. It doesn't work. Not if there's going to be that transformation that takes place. We need each other in our lives with the Holy Spirit present. And it's intentional effort, right? This doesn't happen hocus pocus. Doesn't happen. I know we'd like it to, you know, come for ministry, we'll pray, and man, you're changed. It doesn't happen. How many times, right? You can go to a powerful conference, powerful worship, powerful ministry, and everything's fantastic. And the next day, someone cuts you off and stuff comes out of your mouth. And you go, what's that? Because it takes intentional effort. Intentional effort. We do that with everything else in life, right? If you're, if you're pursuing a degree, it's going to take effort. You're not just going to be given the degree, right? If you're going to embark on a new diet, it takes work. You know, there's... I know there's pills out there, but it has to be a change in lifestyle. If you're, you know, if you're growing a business, it's going to take, you know, name it. Whatever you're embarking on, it's going to take effort. And it takes effort in your maturity with Christ as well. Paul's words to the Philippians says, work hard. <laughs> you hear those words? Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence, and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases them. You know what Paul's saying there? It's faith. Faith. You know one of the phrases we'll use in, in Vineyard? We use a lot of phrases. Look where God is working and join them. We say that all the time, and we say that in the context of out there, right? In your day-to-day -day life, so you can pray with someone or prophesy or, you know, have a word for them in that. It has to do with out there. Guess where the first place God is working? You, me, here. Look in the mirror. That's where God's working. Paul, what's Paul saying? Join them. Join them. Work hard.
work hard. Peter, he writes two little letters. Second letter, first chapter, starting in verse five, Peter says this. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. It's this adding thing that goes on and Peter continues, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Full stop here. If you feel you're, you're, you're maturing, your walk with Jesus is going nowhere, take Peter's words to heart, okay? Peter is saying, if you grow like this, meaning supplementing with these things, these characteristics, these attributes to your life on a regular, ongoing basis, you'll, you'll experience growth. You'll be more productive, more useful. He's fairly blunt, right? And Peter goes on and says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. <laughs> He's blunt. <laughs> Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. It's the whole thing. We are a new creation in Christ. If you remember from the teaching we did looking at Putty Putman's book, Live Like Jesus, we are a new creation. Seriously. Seriously. We are a new creation. And what all the apostles say is live like it. Live like it. That's what they're saying, right? That's what they're saying. Guys, it's longing for the kingdom to come, not just out there, here in my life. It's longing for that, longing. And it begins by committing, devoting, determining, whatever you want to say, that we become little Jesuses together, doing it together. You read through the first few chapters of Acts and there's this sense that the early church actually expected to see the kingdom manifested in their lives. That people would see the kingdom pouring out in their lives. And Luke actually captures it immediately following listing those four principles the church, the church committed to. And Luke writes this starting at Acts 2, verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." What you see there is the kingdom manifesting through them. 
You see this taking place. Now this, what you, what you read Luke is saying here, that's not prescriptive. You don't have to do those th- things. I'm not talking about the practices. But if we commit ourselves to Jesus, as you're working in us, as you're working in me, I'm going to work as well together with others to become more like you so that it becomes natural, second nature for me to fly, you know, right side up in this world that flies upside down. It's this commitment. And then how that gets expressed looks different, but it will have that whole flavor of those those four areas, those four principles that have that flavor of the kingdom that people will say, gosh, we know who you hang out with. You hang out with Jesus. Because you act like him. That's a compliment, right? That's a compliment. God's working here in, in me and he's working in you. He is. I wonder... I wonder what would happen if we, like the disciples, because the disciples were just ordinary Joes and Janes like us, right? They were just people. But if we committed ourselves to go, you know what? We're going to hang out with Jesus and learn his ways for the next three years. And really try, and we're going to work this together and try and learn and get used to flying upside right or right side up, whatever the language is. I wonder what the outcome would be. As convinced as I became about my call into ministry after just the Holy Spirit always, always on my, not on my case, that's not a bad, that's not good language, always prodding me, always just wooing me, calling me, I, you know, quit your job, come love the church with me, <laughs> right? I was, I knew, I just knew, I knew, I knew. Same thing for what I'm sensing right now for us. That's scary, eh? Because you didn't sign up for that. <laughs> Three years will commit. Here's the funny thing. <clears throat> I'm done, by the way. Here's the funny thing. Funny thing is, I was sensing this in the last couple of days. In my convo with the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, whoever it was, was, well, is that something, you know, is that, am I just saying that? If I said that, would, is that something that I'm really, that we're going to really, like, what happens if nobody follows and, and there was this conversation going on. And it was finally, it was like, you know, Jesus, go ahead, talk. Chat, Scott, go ahead. Do, do whatever you have to do. And finally, I just really sensed just the Holy Spirit going, are you rationalizing? Like, are you trying to somehow back out of this? And it was, it was like, I don't think so. But are you serious? And it was like, of course I'm serious. Of course I'm serious. And I said, okay. Then we'll engage. We'll do it. So that's what we're going to do. How's that going to look? I don't have a clue. I'm sure Jesus didn't have a clue. I'm sure the disciples didn't have a clue when they said, 
Sure, we'll leave. We'll follow you. We'll, follow, we'll hang out with you. I'm sure they didn't have a clue. I'm sure it was the hugest risk they ever took. But why not? Why not? We call ourselves little Jesuses. Why not be it then? Right? So let's, let's pray. Father God, we don't have a clue sometimes what we're saying yes to. What we do know though, Lord, is that you, you came to give us life and give it to the full. And you showed us, you taught us, you call us, and you love us. And Jesus, as we, the, the more we know you, the more we know you, the more we love you. And the more we love you, we're like Peter. Where else are we going to go? For you got the words for eternal life. You have the words to real life. We don't know what it's going to look like. But we don't want to be away from you. We want to do your thing. And as difficult as it might be to fly right side up, we're going to do it. We're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. We sang we'll trust you. And we know it's hard to trust. But where else would we, we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So Father, may we grow. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, even those who are listening, those who are here right now, Lord, just make them wholly uncomfortable. Wholly uncomfortable. And yet at the same time, Lord, remind them, not just your love for them, but of their deep love for you. Because, Lord, you know the love your people have for you. They've encountered your real love. They've encountered you. We've encountered you. I've encountered you. Where else am I going to go? We have nowhere. We have nowhere we'd rather be. For those of you joining us online or listening to the podcast, just remember that our prayer ministry team is there for you anytime during the week. So please email prayerministry at cbcf.ca, whether it's for a word of encouragement, a prayer of agreement, or some ministry to some other things, healing, whatever it may be, reach out. And if you want to join us next week, please email us at pastors at cbcf.ca. Until next time. May God bless you.